White Sox announcer Hawk Harrelson there with the call as Yoan Mankata, Cuban prospect, hits his first career home run. 760-814-0740 is the number for Moose's Mulligans. Any comments, questions, concerns on the show? This episode brought special delivery by Bonzel Postal and Imaging. They really do it all. Go in there for your notarizing, document destruction, laminating, greeting cards, professional packaging. Bonzel Postal and Imaging. Give your home business a real business address. Go to bonzelpi.com or call 760-941-9221. Great show for you this week. We're going to have Ben Huff talk basketball. But we're going to start you off with the Dallas Cowboys. All right, the first section of our show this week is going to be on undervalued underdogs. First off for this section, congratulations to Dak Prescott on a remarkable rookie year and a happy 23rd birthday that he had yesterday. Just to compare stats on his rookie year, Troy Aikman, his rookie year for the Cowboys, had 11 games started with 1,700 yards and 9 touchdowns to 18 interceptions. Romo had a pretty impressive first year when he was a starter in 2006. He had come into the league in 2003, and all 16 games started, 2,900 yards, 19 touchdowns, and 13 picks. Not bad. But Dak's rookie year was almost 3,700 yards and 23 touchdowns to an amazing four interceptions. So hats off to Dak Prescott for taking the job and running with it. And we should be impressed with Dak's performances so far. But now that the Cowboys have moved on from Tony Romo, we shouldn't forget what he's done for this franchise. And Tony Romo is the center of our discussion for this undervalued underdogs. So Tony Romo came into this league in 2003 from the school of Eastern Illinois, which is a Division I 2A school. Romo's first three years in the league would not even come close to glamorous. The only time he saw the field was to hold for kicks. This skill actually led him to be a reputation of a choker. In the 2006 playoffs, Romo famously mishandled a snap on a field goal that would have put the Cowboys up by two points at the end of the game to beat Seattle. But he mishandled the snap, and the Seahawks won 21-20. And I know everyone rides Tony Romo for that drop field goal attempt. But it was a one-time mistake where the Cowboys, I don't think they were going to go very far at that point. And look at the fact that how many starting quarterbacks hold the kicks for their team? Really, how many? The guy had been locked in on every offensive down the entire playoff game. And then you ask him to hold the kick at the end of it? Do you not have someone else on the bench that can do that? The next point I want to get to with Tony Romo, and you might not agree at first, 
is that Tony Romo is a Hall of Famer. He is worthy of being in the NFL Hall of Fame. The way I'm going to show you is I'm going to compare him to another Hall of Fame quarterback for the Cowboys and Troy Aikman. First, I'd love to start with Romo's playoff stats. In six games, he threw for a completion rate of 62%, eight touchdowns and two interceptions. In playoff games, you can expect a regression, obviously. You know, the amount of touchdowns scored will be down because of the emphasis on ball control and the fear of a crucial turnover. But everyone says how awful Tony Romo was in the playoffs, that he would choke all the time. And those stats don't say that. Aikman was a three-time champion for the Cowboys and played in 16 playoff games. Over those games, 64% completion rate, 23 touchdowns to 17 interceptions. I mean, it doesn't stand out that much farther than Romo. The only difference was Aikman was in 16 playoff games, and we'll get into that in a second. But let's go look at the regular season here for a second. And Tony Romo far outweighs Troy Aikman in the regular season. Yeah, the passing game is a little different these days, but let's take a real quick look. Aikman has about 33,000 yards in his career with 165 touchdowns and 141 interceptions. And the big thing is completion rate was 61.5%. Remember that. Romo, in one less year as a starter, had 34,000 yards, 248 touchdowns to 117 interceptions. His completion rate, over 65%. Now, I know most of you are going to say, oh, then the NFL has changed so much. It's so much more pass-happy. But Aikman averaged 28.6 passes per game. Roma averaged 27.9. Yes, Romo averaged less throwing attempts per game than Aikman. Aikman also averaged 30 less yards per game, and he was supposed to be considered one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time. But his completion rate's three and a half points less than Romo. Yes, Aikman has three rings. Romo has zero. But look at Aikman's supporting cast versus Romo's. Aikman had a Hall of Fame running back in Emmett Smith and was throwing to a five-time Pro Bowler Hall of Famer Michael Irvin and a five-time Pro Bowler in Jay Novacek. All of this while being protected by Nate Newton, six-time Pro Bowler, Mark Stepnowski, five-time Pro Bowler, and Larry Allen, the 11-time Pro Bowler and Hall of Famer on his offensive line. Romo's running backs were Julius Jones, Marion Barber, not Tiki, Felix Jones, DeMarco Murray for a year and a half, and then Darren McFadden. They combined for about two Pro Bowls total, and they were all won by, yes, DeMarco Murray. Romo's wide receivers ranged from Miles Austin and Tyrell Williams to a rental of Terrell Owens for a little and the eventual arrival of Des Bryant. His only consistent target really was Jason Witten, and he had two Pro Bowl offensive linemen his whole career until the last two years when people like Zach Martin came in, which tied into Dak Prescott last year. The point I'm trying to make here is Romo's supporting cast was much weaker than Aikman's to try to get to the Super Bowl, but his stats are much better than Aikman's. The fact that Aikman won... Three titles gets him in the Hall of Fame, but the fact that Romo won zero means he doesn't? I don't think so. You can't blame Romo for the lame supporting cast and general manager work at Jerry Jones at the time, and 
the coaching that surrounded him? Because he thrived as an undrafted free agent with not much of a good supporting cast around him. I think Tony Romo should be a Hall of Famer and is definitely worthy of being inducted. We're going to take a quick pause. Next segment we're going to do on the show here, we're going to bring in Ben Huff to talk NBA. So stay tuned. More good stuff ahead. Back here on Moose's Mulligan, brought to you by Movement for Life, a Brava program. Movement for Life provides instruction to Parkinson's disease and multiple sclerosis patients using direct motion through dance to improve their condition. Go to movementforlife-brava.org for more information. Alright, moving on to the next segment, I got a lot of questions about basketball. And we're going to welcome in Ben Huff. So first question for me to you, Ben, is you've been working on your uh, chipping game since the last time we went golfing? Not yet. I still got to work on that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, definitely. So so the the NBA question we wanted to start with that we asked our fans is, uh, are you okay with the Kyrie Irving asking for a trade? For our viewers who don't know, he has to be traded away from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, yeah, I I think it's it's the best for all people involved for the organization and for the organization that um, that he wants to go to because that allows the Cavaliers to say, all right, this is where he wants to go. Let's see what we can get for him, and then the other organization knows that he's he's willing to stay for a long term. And Kyrie only being twenty seven, I believe that's that's pretty big, and he's hitting his peak right about now. So that's, I think it's very good for him. I agree. Uh, 70% of our, our fans didn't agree with us on that. They thought it was wrong for him to be asking for a trade. But I agree with you. You know, he's very young and has a ring already. And he can carry that over to another organization. And, you know, it's not his fault that the sinking ship that Dan Gilbert made here for the Cavs, that's the Cavs owner, uh, it's not his fault that this is happening. So he's just getting ahead of it. And he's also, I think he's helping Cleveland because they'll get stuff back for him instead of just leaving next year. Signing Derrick Rose is not going to help at all in that position because you know he's not the MVP he used to be and he still is going to break halfway through the season well I so, just, yeah I look at that one as they signed him as on a one-year deal because LeBron said he wouldn't waive his no trade clause otherwise I'd, I would have LeBron moving too if I were Cleveland I would blow it all up so but that's that's usually my strategy so yeah it is so the, the next question I have is the whole so Stephen A. Smith had said LeBron James wants to kick Kyrie's Kyrie did not know that LeBron was coming back to Cleveland. So Kyrie was salty from that moment. Now, it doesn't mean that they had a contentious relationship. They've talked on many occasions. According to my sources, LeBron James has tried to appease him at every turn. A matter of fact, I had sources in LeBron James camp literally tell me, and I'm quoting, if Kyrie Irving was in front of LeBron James right now, LeBron James would be tempted, quote, to beat his uh, what are your thoughts on Stephen A. Smith's comments and for him sticking by it even when LeBron denied it? Well, Stephen A. Smith is a great um, sports analyst. Uh, there's, you can't 
dispute that. Um, we disagree on some things, but uh, I don't believe that LeBron James particularly wants to kick Kyrie. I have, I'm sure he's upset, like, kind of that thing of, like, why are you leaving already? Like, we still got one more year to really try to beat the Warriors. But because um, I think this, if you lose to the Warriors again in the finals, that might hurt his legacy, his LeBron's legacy. But that's a whole new topic for a different thing. Yeah. So LeBron has the right to be upset. So it's, I understand why he does, but I, I just don't think it's that bad. I agree. I, I, I agree with LeBron being frustrated because he knows a Kyrie Irving trade right now for Cleveland would start a rebuild, and he's still there. And he can't really leave because then it looks even worse on his legacy, which he's probably going to leave next year anyway. But, you know, I kind of see this turning into a soap opera with Carmelo Anthony now, too, that's tying into it. Uh, Melo of the Knicks wants to only go to the Rockets, he's been saying. Uh, the Rockets only have Ryan Anderson really left to give up, and the Knicks said they won't pay him. But they would do a Kyrie Irving trade and some picks and some cash the Cavaliers' way. So what's your thoughts on the whole Carmelo Anthony situation? Well, if they were going to do a Kyrie-Melo trade straight up just for the two players, that's going to cause some more cap problems for Cavs, so I don't really see that happening. Um, but it is on Melo uh, to drop that no-trade clause for that to work at all. Because um, I tried seeing what other teams would work. But the Knicks cash trade doesn't look very um, evident, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. I, the Rockets were the best shot, but when the Knicks said they wouldn't pay Ryan Anderson, now they're looking at holding on to Carmelo until the trade deadline. But for Carmelo, I just think, you know, I, I'm a big Kyrie Irving's from the Bronx, so I'm always a big storyline guy. I love those stories. But it would have to take a lot of the Knicks cash and prospects to get Kyrie and I don't think they're ready to give that up and I agree with you there so the last question I have for you is uh the regular season will be coming up for the NBA quicker than we think what what should I be looking forward to going into the NBA regular season well the wild west of course there's so many teams that are, have so many superstars that whole standing is going to be up in the air uh besides the number one seed which will most likely go to the Warriors two through eight are going to be impossible to pick correctly it's going to be basically like the March Madness. You don't know who's going to land where. So I think the West in general is going to be a great treat. And then the playoffs is always fun. And then even just the smaller teams, uh, the Lakers to see how Alonzo Ball does and how that season will bring other people, other players to the Lakers. Um, I'm really interested in see how the Heat grow, how Whiteside grows. Uh, just small players, individual players that I think um, – should bring interest to other fans. Yeah, I'm I'm always the Debbie Downer on these things. Um, so for me, it's like watching. Okay, you know, if the Warriors are already locked up and the East is pretty weak, it just seems like I'm just waiting for the Warriors to win their championship. But but I'm 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 right there with you. I mean, I'm excited to watch the Lakers kind of rebuild, and you know, I'm also excited to see how bad the Knicks are. I, I'm such a Debbie Downer, I know, but if the Knicks are really bad this year and they still haven't traded Carmelo it really comes back to was letting Phil Jackson go there a lot of questions come up because it's New York but I I actually think I'm more excited to watch if New York tanks yeah I think the NBA is always better when the Knicks are better um it's just that New York thing so whenever the Knicks Lakers and Celtics are all great the NBA is gonna have a, a phenomenal year so hopefully we can get to that soon but we still got some years 
Definitely. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one thing I'm excited for would be the Western Conference Finals, not the Finals. I think that'll be better than the Finals. Uh, oh, have... yeah, seven-game series, I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, that, I mean, that Western Conference Final could go six, seven games, but the, the NBA Finals may only go four or five either way, so. Bold flavor. All right, well, thank you. Come on. Thanks for coming on, Ben. Of course. Anytime, buddy. All right, that's all the time we have this week. I'd like to thank my guest, Ben Huff. Thank you very much. Make sure to find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash Moose's Mulligans. And we're introducing a new part of Moose's Mulligans on the app Periscope. We'll be live streaming and answering questions. Follow us on Periscope at Moose's Mulligans. All right, till next week, remember, fairways and greens, no mulligans. We'll see you next week.